Welcome to the Build Up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. So Kevin Doyle is with us as always. And Kevin, like, you know, this is the Build Up podcast. We always look ahead to the to the weekend and we will be doing that to return to Premier League. But there's one or two stories since we last spoke to you that I think are worth um, touching on. Like, we'll talk about Ireland in a couple of minutes. But Spurs, first of all, like, I mean, we spoke many times but a couple of weeks ago you were talking about Maurizio Pochettino he's the man for Manchester United to go maybe break the bank on go and get him in that's the man they need instead Spurs have got rid of him and they've got in the guy who Manchester United didn't want anymore it's all a bit mad isn't it I know yeah you couldn't write it um, like I was really surprised just in the fact that I thought Spurs would be um not back him just in case he would go to another club. You know, yeah. one of their rivals. And United is a massive rival for them there. You know Daniel Levy would love negotiating and getting 15 or 20 million for his manager or whatever it costs. And now he has to sack him and know he's going to walk into a job at another team and probably end up finishing ahead of Spurs or causing them a lot of trouble. Uh, he's going to have to help Jose Mourinho. And you know he's going to have to sack Jose Mourinho in eight months or two years <laughs> fall out. Uh, <laughs> you can see it. You can write it all now. It's... Um, However, you know, Pochettino has done a great job to be able to come out with a pretty smell in the roses. Um, everyone thinks he's a fantastic man. I don't know anyone who doesn't think he's done an unbelievable job. He got... The reason Spurs are looking reasonably bad now at the moment is because he got them to outperform so much. You know, he spent a penny, relatively speaking, to other teams in the last two or three years and he got them to a Champions League final, which is frightening considering what other teams have spent to try to do it and haven't made it. Um, finishing the top four last season, yeah, they've had a sticky start as this season but it's more in my opinion players are beat direct how much they had to do for him without bringing in fresh faces and fresh legs they went above and beyond he got them to go above and beyond and um, outperform as I said what they should be doing and um, you know they were wrecked at the end of last season they didn't really have a break and come and go again that, that I suppose after losing the Champions League final they come down from that um, to try to get themselves up without any signings or fresh faces in and around the place you could tell from the start of the season, Pochettino wasn't happy with no new signings, as you wouldn't be after all the games. You think go and push on now, just we can be a top, top team here, a top club, and didn't do it. And you could see he was pissed off. Anyone looking from the inside could see the players were pissed off. And, uh, I'm not surprised. Well, I'm surprised he's been sacked. I'm not surprised he's left the club. Um, mm. But I think Spurs are going to be way worse off for. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I, I wonder, is there an element of forgetting about Mourinho for a second that, you know, time being up sometimes, so it, it doesn't make Pochettino any less a, a, a brilliant manager, yeah. but sometimes it's just you're, you've spent too long with the same group, especially in this day and age. There hasn't been very much turnaround there, and everybody gets no. a little bit sick of everybody else. Like, yeah. is there any chance that's the case? Yeah, definitely. He's very intense. He demands a lot. He's from what I hear training is very tough every training session is, is intense but that's why he needed signings he needed fresh faces new players with new ears and I've not heard it all before he's had the same squad he's been ringing every little bit out of him for the last four or five years he's made players world class players Harry Kane is a world class player Ericsson was a world class hasn't made this season but before that world class player uh, Deli Ali switched off this season but he made Deli Ali a top class player you know he's He's got so much out of them and the club needed to back him with fresh face. That's why that you know, those players are they look wrecked to me. They look like players who've heard everything he's had to say and just don't have any more to give and 
and that's where the club needed to come in this summer. I think the the talk is that two summers ago he wanted to make a lot of changes and they didn't back him then. Um, they haven't really signed anyone the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's all positive for him, I even think. Um, mm. You know, like being sacked, but he's getting, you know, he's been sacked in the best possible, I suppose, uh, way he could be. His, his reputation is pretty much intact and he can walk into any, any big job that came available now, he would be probably the favourite for. Yeah. Kevin, I'm wondering from a player's perspective, how does this register? Like, you know, at one stage you hear kind of different stuff coming out about maybe the players and their tolerance for, for Pochettino. I even think like from your own experience, when you look at at Wolves, for example, when I remember the Kenny jacket was kind of leaked previously that it felt like maybe they were warming tempers. Like, is this, are players WhatsApping each other about what's going on with the, with, the, with the gaffer? Are they thinking, kind of speculating about who, what it means for the, how, how do they react to in a situation like this? Uh, WhatsApp wasn't really going too strong back when we were <laughs> Thankfully. Um, you know, we've been talking about in the dressing room. I know it was, we went through five, nine years and eighteen months with Mick McCarthy, Terry Connor, Stala uh, Stolbeck, and Dean Saunders, and Kenny Jackett. The space was, uh, <laughs> we'd given up talking about it. But, uh, yeah, you do talk about it, you chat about it. You know, everything the manager said, even in his first meeting, the players would be dissecting afterwards. You, know, you can see what he was there, to hear what he was saying. We've heard it all before, you know. Especially when you've had a few in a row, we've heard that one before, that line or whatever. So players will be, I think, mean, only bring guys and they'll all respect him. He's a, you know, he's, apart from, I suppose, the ending at the last couple of clubs, he's, a, he's, you know, he's unbelievable manager. I, I used to really like him. I, you know, I was, a, I'm a Man United fan, and I was sick of listening to him the last <laughs> six to ten months of Man United. I'm sick of watching Man United when I play, but they, they weren't great before him, and they have been great after him. But um, I think to me that was really sort of let himself down and his behaviour um, to the media and just the general demeanour around the place he looked depressed managing Manchester United uh, living in a hotel for two or three years like um, I just don't think he's committed that job 100% and um, you know this is his chance I suppose to bounce back they're lucky Tottenham as well I suppose in a way they're able to get rid of Pochettino and bring in someone like Jose Mourinho who apart from you know as I said the Man United job is, is world world class and um, he's they, they, they'll probably win something under him in fairness they, he, he wins trophies he won trophies in Man United he didn't play that great and he seen some good football that's going to probably change but um, they might win something and uh, you know they haven't won that and then, I don't know when the last time they did win something so that would be uh, you know that's something if you're a Spurs fan to look forward to you know you're getting this fellow who's going to come in there and win trophies yeah, I was watching uh, the Chelsea-Manchester United game on the first day of the season as much for Mourinho's debut on Sky as a short-lived career on Sky, yeah. I suppose, as anything else. But I, I remember so distinctly that the way he was talking, obviously it all went wrong for Chelsea that day, but the way he was talking about Lampard's selection of playing the likes of Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham in particular was a sign that Lampard was saying this isn't our season, we don't want to win anything, because you don't, you don't pick Tammy Abraham if you want to win the match, you pick Olivier Giroud, I think was what he was saying. Yeah. And it really was an insight into the conservatism that he has. And I yeah. suppose my question is coming around eventually <laughs> to Troy Parrott, because I think that's everybody's fear here today, is that Jose Mourinho will see this 17-year-old on the edge of the squad and say, I have no room to take risks with you. I yeah. have, you know, and, and, and whereas Pochettino was you know, gradually bringing him into the fold, I suppose. Do you, like, it's very hard for us to know at this point, but I suppose our instinct anyway is that this is bad news for Troy Parrott. 
Yeah, it's not ideal, and, and Pochettino would have known him, you know, known all about him. Whereas Mourinho's going to come in and not have any idea who this guy is. He's going to be concentrating on, on the, so I suppose, the twenty-two or the twenty-six who we know. Uh, going to be difficult for Triton. It's the same in any Premier League club he's at. Um, the Queen managers change. He was at a different club. Managers change all the time. It's just a party Have to get over. He was probably going to have to go out on loan anyway. Um, this might speed it up. Um, you know, only 17. You know, going to be rushing it too much. You know, I'm going out on loan maybe at 17 either. He's so young. Um, but yeah, it will probably stop him getting into the first team at Spurs anytime soon. Whatever chance he had under Pochettino is probably down the window. Mourinho is so that statement about Lampard Lampard after since then has gone out and they've done fantastic with those players so mm. um, it just gives you his idea of football and, and it isn't you know his style of play has been really boring at the last few clubs that, but you know, when, when Damien Buff was there um, and they were fantastic to watch really good uh, just wonder why it why it went so um, so negative like the Man United team that he had were just you know they were putrid you couldn't watch it Um I know Inter Milan won the Champions League, but they were a tough watch. Real Madrid, that was all the goals for the players. They won things, though, which is the other side of it. He does win things. But, um, you know, as for Troy Parrish getting back onto that, yeah, it looks like that window might be shut for a while. But if he's as good as people say, and I think he is, he will be able to come through that and you know, show that he is that player. Um, it mightn't be at Spurs, now, it might be out on loan or whatever, but he's a long career ahead of him and he can't let a little thing like that, and that is where, whatever, if he's there for 18 months, two years, Marino, it's not going to, shouldn't have that big of an effect on his long term plans or future. Yeah, for sure. That typical media hysteria that we're hitting you with there, Kevin. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> we're always we're just focused on the next story. story. <laughs> uh, speaking of, like, you know, Troy Power, people will have seen him, um, you know, score for the under 21s last night, another brilliant win. And, you know, Ireland didn't beat Denmark. Uh, but, you know, all those things together, it did feel like a positive week for Irish football. And one of those things is, you know, it might not have been the result that we wanted, but it was the performance and attitude and all of the things we, we, we've talked about, what we were so disappointed um, about, did kind of come to fruition a little bit in this match. Did you feel that way? Did you feel like that there was a new kind of emphasis yeah, in, in the performance? I thought we were we were decent I thought Denmark were terrible but I thought you know we, we could have equally been terrible I thought we played very well we tried to play up to the back um, you know we didn't overplay we played very well we probably didn't create too many clear cut chances um, one thing I was wondering at times especially in the second half I thought David McGoldrick was very good but he was he was adding up out on the wing Sean mm. uh, McGuire came on and he was out wide and it was weird we, we were overloaded so much out wide that we know in the best of times um, but yeah I thought generally our performance was good um you know, and it, it usually is when we're under the cosh. You know, I don't know if we're speaking to you, but I was speaking to someone last week. We go behind and we play great football. In this game, we have to win the game, so we play great football. I just like to see that sort of action, that close. You know, we were getting up the pitch and we were pressing them. They were having to kick it long. You know, I'd love to see that from the start of a group. Um, why don't we, you know, if my bug there with where it was when I was playing, we, we give so much respect, and it's right to give respect to top teams, whether it's Spain or Italy or someone, but not when you're playing Denmark, who on paper are the same as us, pretty much. Apart from Christian Eriksen, and he hasn't played well this season, apart from Christian Eriksen, there's nothing between the two squads, where they play, the club they play at. Um, and we, we would we would go out and give them so much respect. We did in the in the last campaign, in the, in the playoff. We didn't the other night, but we had no choice because we had to win the game. We came out and dominated 
um, for long spells. Um, our problem was scoring goals didn't go away, but we looked, we looked apart. We looked like the home team, which we don't do a lot of the time. And I just love to see us have that attitude. Our manager gives the players that attitude for the first game of the group and the week. So it was, you know, we had to, um, had to win that game. We couldn't play really well. And, and everyone afterwards said that, you know, it's nice to see us pass the ball. It's nice to see us look in control and look to create things. Um, all over the pitch and it was it was like that um, I thought he was excellent I thought everyone was really really good a few quieter players it was a big game for some first real big game for Ireland um, but you know in general it was a, yeah, it was a you know you come away from it you know feeling quite happy about Irish football I think yeah on that actually Kevin like you probably if we talk about you know the public's perception they probably come away feeling a bit happy and even you know media and the likes of us would probably feel a bit happy but from the players point of view I'm kind of interested right because Mick McCarthy spent this entire campaign preaching about results and that the only thing that matters is qualification and that has been his answer when people have been critical of maybe not introducing the likes of Troy Parrott earlier or Aaron Connolly if you go back a couple of months ago if that's the case like if he you would presume he's telling the players a similar thing that this is all about the results getting out of the group how can they not feel that this is anything but a, but a failure really yeah I suppose you look at it like that you know the, the first time the two teams have qualified for European Championship from the group it's about when you look at it like overall it's been a failure I think the game tonight was quite positive um, it, it, after seeing how we played against Georgia overall it's been, uh, has been a letdown two teams to qualify and uh, in fact I think we're better than, we can be better than Denmark so um, you know it's it's all about the results but putting in good performances gets good results you know what I mean there's no point in saying it's all about the results and saying crap because if you say crap you won't get the results 9 times out of 10 uh, you know we played crap against Georgia there's no other way of saying that Georgia should have beat us out there no point in saying we got to say crap and Georgia didn't take their chances when they had them so um, I, it's what way you look at it it's how you look at um, the other night we played well and we got a point for the game that's, that's I think you know we, we weren't 10 out of 10 but we played reasonably well reasonably attractive football and we, we got a good result in the game it wasn't the result we needed but it was a good performance um, and that's what we want to see you know it's, it's the Georgia game and it's not easy to go to Georgia I'm not saying we should go out there and win but we couldn't put one pass together for the game it was, it was embarrassing watching it um, so that's what I think people get upset about you know and Nick then doesn't doesn't take the criticism of the bad performance well like no manager likes to take the criticism so you can understand that he has to stick up for his players you know we don't have the players of course we can't play but we do like, most of our players play either in the championship or the Premier League there's more and more playing the Premier League this year so we don't have the players you know it's an easy answer for a lot of people oh, we don't have the players well well, we have better players than Georgia we should be able to go there and pass them off the pitch and a lot of those players can play in the Premier League clubs and pass them off the pitch what happens when they play for Ireland they're constantly told from whoever from everywhere oh we don't have the players and I think that gets into their players are nervous they're getting criticised Poland technically not good enough well if they're technically not good enough they wouldn't be playing at the clubs they're playing at in England um, that frustrates me when I hear that I think it's just an excuse and an easy answer um, and more performances like the Denmark game the other night was it's just what you, you said not wasn't anything world class but it was just a decent good performance on another night we'd have won that game we probably deserved to win the game yeah you mentioned like I, I remember you saying that to me before actually but like that that when you were playing it was a bit of a bugbear that we kind of only went for it when you know it was essential to I'm just wondering where that mentality comes from was it always the managers or was it like a full almost group mentality of you know a draw is good enough and we can't really we can't really take too many risks here um I'm trying to think I don't know what's 
And then, like, go back to the playoffs again. Years ago for the World Cup, we played France at home. We were we were pretty poor at home, useless, and we had no choice. And we go to Paris and we outplayed them for the one game. All that extra time. They really good football because we use our energy and our enthusiasm to play for our country in a positive way. And you know, we work hard. Our players are always there. Always be hard. How hard you work, but a lot of the cases working hard in the wrong areas. You know, we can use our energy higher up the pitch. Uh, they get the better teams instead of putting off and, and trying to win the ball back in, in our own, you know, on our own penalty area. Get up the pitch and win it back. I keep saying that we use our energy higher up the pitch. Um, we, we we don't seem to do it until we really, really need to. I think it comes from the managers. It's, yeah, it's a psyche. Some of the managers have had as well. It's just their natural instinct of football. So, um, you know, it would be sort of mixed. More natural instinct. It would have been Giovanni's more natural instinct. Um, and it's just, yeah, how, how it plays out. But, you know, I don't know. Stephen Kenny seems to be uh, the opposite uh, of mindset. It would be interesting to see how that goes and get the job. You, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they get on now against Slovakia and to see whether that does continue and whether they take it on because I think we've had a few false dawns before but that'll be what we want to see anyway but we'll be coming back to that kind of towards March I definitely do want to move on to the Premier League and I'm wary of the fact that we haven't looked ahead yet but you did mention a certain game 10 years ago now the whole country has been reminiscing about uh, the inglorious moment uh, in Paris in in extra time 10 years ago on Monday Uh, you know you were (laughs) a little bit more involved than most of us uh, when we've been reminiscing I was just wondering specifically how you felt when you were reading about the referee uh, the referee and the linesman in the dressing room this week uh, congratulating each other on a brilliant performance thinking that it had one of the better games <laughs> yeah uh, you know what I, I don't I don't I don't blame the referee and the linesman I know that it's a, glo- a glaring handball or whatever uh, I just I got over at the time um yeah, they see that just shows that they really didn't know. They didn't know they missed it. It shows human error. For the linesman, it was at the far side for him. For the ref, he didn't see it. And it just shows their congratulations other in the dressing room. And they obviously didn't see it, didn't realise they missed it. And it's the way it goes. We might bug there in that game. It's well, we played two out of one before we went to extra time. And we really were the better team. And it was, that was my, that's how I look back on it. And I think the point is, I suppose, happy how well we played or mm. performed. We should have. We should have won again. We, we was as good as I played. I personally played for Ireland, yeah. uh, and and as good as anyone, any of the eleven played that game. We were all, we all had nine out of ten or ten out of ten or whatever, putting a really good performance. And we should have won it in the in the ninety minutes. Yeah, as a group performance to go to kind of Paris like that, and for yeah, our, our best players exactly. to be you, Robbie yeah. Duffer, you know, like that's so, such an unusual thing for Irish football in a big away match against a team that yeah, was better than yeah, us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, around that time, Richard Dunn was at the top of his game as well, and I'm too far away from that Russia game where where he was unbelievable, and that would have been the case. Our defence, our defence, doing a doing a great job for us in that game. It was the opposite. You know, we came out. All over the pitch, we were fantastic. But our attacking players were eager. Liam Lawrence was excellent on the night, mm. um, really, really good. And we were just that was instead that was disappointing for me that we couldn't capitalise on those performances. Me, in particular, I played really well on the night. But I should have scored. I had a great chance to cross from Liam Lawrence in a header that I couldn't get enough on. Uh, Robbie had another chance to score. Damien had a chance to score. And uh, yeah, you know, we all played so well without you know putting the icing on the cake and qualifying in the ninety minutes. Letting it get to extra time and obviously France getting that goal. Um, 
it was uh, I was really disappointed afterwards because of that you know the performance the performance more so ever than the, than the handball yeah um, look there's been there's been lots of people looking back at it this week maybe, maybe 10 years on now we can finally, finally put it yeah. to bed well I got married <laughs> anyway lads uh, instead of going to the World Cup my, my wife arranged our wedding so we're positive positive <laughs> negative maybe or positive <laughs> Well, happy happy uh, ten year anniversary. So uh, this summer, yeah. uh, when when it comes on our next summer, um, yeah. there is Premier League back this weekend. Obviously, uh, Mourinho is first uh, first trip is across London to West Ham, but there is some uh, there is some interesting games at the top of the table as well. Like Man City, after losing to Liverpool, um, you know they had the international break. It probably came at a yeah. good time, but then they've got Chelsea, like who are you know playing very know, very well, coming not easy. No, it's not. Uh, it's no easy game, and and when you've lost a game or two, where you haven't played well, and then all of a sudden it looks much harder the next game. So I think they'll be too good for Chelsea. Chelsea, though, Frank Lampard really settled into his job well. He looks the part. He talks uh, playing really well, playing young players. Everything is sort of going well for him now. Uh, I can't see them going to Man City and and uh, and getting that from the game. To be honest, I think. Uh, you know, it'll be a big wake-up call for them losing Liverpool. It's the first time Liverpool have really got a psychological advantage, a big win against them in an important game. Man City seems to have come out of the top the last few seasons. It's the first time that's happened where Liverpool have, have won and won pretty convincingly. So, um, you'd imagine that would be a good jolt for them. Um, you know, the the league is nearly, it's not, it's not saying it's gone, but they, they have to start putting in some good performance, getting win after win after win, and start really letting pressure on Liverpool and you'd imagine it'll, it'll start this weekend yeah um, I was looking at thinking Liverpool as well there is a, there is something about Crystal Palace away I don't know yeah. whether it's because of them blowing the league there a few years ago or what it is but there's something about it and, and it might be like today we were talking about Palace and the job that Roy Hodgson has done yeah. this isn't a gimme either you know away from home no, no and it's just a horrible place to go sellers nice um Long way from Liverpool. Uh, Roy Hodgson in charge as well. Will you know? I'm sure he'd love to get one over Liverpool. Um, he's he's really good at setting teams up against and setting his team up against bigger teams. Roy Hodgson better than the teams around him. I think against bigger teams, he really get, he's good at being organised and everyone behind the ball. And it suits against bigger teams to do that. He's not under pressure to come out at home and and you know be the one attacking. He, he's his own fans will accept him sitting in and just trying to soak up pressure. And he's excellent at setting teams up to do that. So. Um, it's definitely a tough game for Liverpool. Historically, mentally, it will be the the corner away there in the past. So um, yeah, it won't be you know it won't be uh, a walk in the park for them. Um, it'd be a really really good win if they go there and win. Um, I would be surprised if they don't get the three points. So it's been a pretty uh, cagey affair for maybe not scoring till the seventy fifth, eighty fifth minute or whatever, which they have done in fairness to them. In, in, you know, Aston Villa recently they've done that this season where they've They've had to battle in games and not play their best and teams putting everyone behind the ball and they've come out and won the games, which is a good sign for Liverpool. Um, I'd imagine they need to do something again like that this weekend. What about, uh, speaking of tough games, I suppose, what about United and Sheffield United? I know that's the game where your your, yeah. your bet is. Yeah. Um, you know, United, they've, they've, I won't say they've turned the corner. They've got some wins recently. Um, Brighton last weekend, we're expecting to win that game anyway. You know, we're talking about being a good win for the British. You know, it's Man United. They should be winning that game. Uh, Sheffield United away. I wouldn't fancy them too much. Man United. Sheffield United have surprised a lot of people this season. They've been a joy to watch. Um, be confident at home. They're fancy getting something out of that game. I might 
suppose my bet for the week was a score draw on that one. So, um, yeah, that's what I'd see. I don't see United uh, take or any United taking them apart at all. I see that being a tough one. If anyone wants to win it, it'll probably be Sheffield United. Yeah, that's a big price. The score draw is ten to three right now on Ladbrox, and fully enough, both teams to score and Sheffield to win is six to one. Right, that'd be a nice value bet. <laughs> <laughs> could happen. They're, uh, you know, Sheffield yeah, United by right should be nearly favourites for this game if you look at the yeah, league they, tables. Yeah. Without John Egan, though, is he with the calf injury? Yeah, is a is a big loss. Definitely. Yeah, yeah he is. He's been he's been excellent, and you think uh, Dave McGoldrick will have used up a lot the other night. You, you know, if you look at that way, they won't have the squad to replace these players. Uh, Dave McGoldrick does a lot for them. Does a lot for England and. His age as well. It might have just taken too much out of his legs to expect him to go again this weekend. That, that could count against them, but um, I still think they'll be a confident side. And now that they look like they're going to, you know, only a sunny November, but it looks like they're going to stay up and they'll be able to play a bit more freer again and enjoy it a bit more. And, uh, first season Premier League, I think they're going well for you like that. You beat the bigger teams. That's what the feel. Yeah, I'll stick with the score draw. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, brilliant stuff, Kevin. We'll um, we'll see how that all goes. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll we'll chat to you next week. Cheers, lad. Talk to you soon, Morris. I can't stop talking about Paris ten years ago. I don't like it. It's it's actually annoying me now that I I can't leave it behind. Having it been it was brought into my life this week, but hearing. You know, it, it almost feels like positive memories there when you think about how well we played. That 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 was almost forgotten. If they had scored a legitimate goal, I think there were... Look, we wouldn't be talking about it 10 years later, but we'd be saying, do you remember that night in Paris when Ireland went out and played football? But you know, like, it's funny. It, it's gone to a stage... I think it's the life cycle of, like, stuff like this. At the time, it felt like a disaster. And now it kind of feels like a, an absurdity to me, like, looking back on it now. Like, there is kind of an element of kind of... Jeez, wasn't that some crack? Not from our own perspective, <laughs> but, but definitely in terms of, like, hearing the different narratives... You mentioned the interview with the referee during the week. I heard Richard Dunn talking about about like uh, his own memories of it as well. Like this kind of stuff, I think it's become a bit more kind of like it's not reminiscing. That's the wrong word, but it's close. Like it, there, it is kind of like a like a, a really comical event. Uh, absolutely, you're dead right. It was just such a bananas thing to happen like that that it's hard to it's hard to believe. Can I just actually? I it's funny. I tweeted out because everyone was what was your memories, and I tweeted out mine, which is involved. I was in Australia at the time. I was just um, there for a few weeks. Uh, I was at a wedding, staying in a friend's family's house. They had like a computer. This is 2009. They had a computer in their basement, and it's you know the matches on at like 6 a.m. or whatever. But back then, a lot of people used to have like an internet allowance. So I was watching a stream of this game, but like their internet kind of was running out. So it's sort of slow. Using up their internet. I was using up all their monthly, their month's internet. It was, and it it doesn't just cut off, it kind of slows down. So it kind of restricts your use because it's running out, if you know what I mean. It doesn't, there isn't a kind of a, you know, it's like when you're putting in petrol into your car and as you're coming up to the amount that you've already paid for, it slows to a, a creep. You know, this is what was happening. So the 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 stream went. You know, uh, I don't know, maybe like towards the end of normal time. But then I got a, I couldn't get another one. I got a radio. I got RT radio. So I was listening to RT radio, and I'm basically walking around uh, this room, like on my own, just having an absolute nervous breakdown. <laughs> and uh, so what happens then is. The goal is scored, and Gabriel Egan or whoever it is is on the commentary. Oh, no, it's a disaster. It's fancy score. And then Jim Beglin or whoever's on co-commentary with him or Damien Richardson or whoever it was goes, hold on, I think it's been disallowed. And next thing, 
at that moment the radio at that moment and here's the thing i tweeted about this and as i was doing it i said to myself this sounds like bollocks nobody's gonna believe that it was at that moment they'll think there's a nugget of truth to this but you know it might not be strictly true and at the same time i found because it was the anniversary i found my facebook memories for the day and i had four status updates status is like tweets (laughs) exactly there were status updates that literally just over the space of so 2206 oh he didn't give us two question marks 2207 stupid internet (laughs) 2212 it was given was it (laughs) and then 2212 also ah that's fucking outrageous Excuse my language. The so not realization, only did, yeah. Not only did I have the anger that the rest of the nation had, but it took me five minutes to realize what had even happened, and that was the longest five minutes of my bloody life. <laughs> but anyway, there you go. That's just a little, a little story of of many that people have been doing this week. Briefly before we leave the football, we're going to do one, two, three in a few minutes. Do you share Kevin's? Uh, I suppose, I don't know, I'm almost thinking it's almost optimism, thinking that Manchester United are going to get a draw at Sheffield United. Um, I think United will win, funnily Do enough. You? Yeah, I You've think been they're more positive in United than almost anyone I've known Do all you know, season. Yeah, that's a very fair. Do you know what's funny? Like Last year, I remember, there's this thing, but we don't have to get into because it it's very, very boring, XG, which is like expected goals. Last year, I remember somebody sending me a thing about Arsenal's XG at the start under Henry and why it was all going to collapse. And he proved right. And in the same vein, I've kind of lashed onto it that United's XG has them, I think, in the top four so far for the season. Now it's, it's converted because of the fact that they've got worse fixtures coming. But like, my, I think all we're long, I think United have, have been kind of okay, like about kind of 66% there. And the main problem is that they just have no creativity. Like, I think they've got a good back four, a good goalkeeper, and actually reasonable enough um, wits. But particularly in the middle, they're just bereft of ability. That's, I've kind of maintained that all the way along. Um, Johnny, I think John Egan is massive. It's like, I don't know if it's fully appreciated. The Premier League got picked a pundit to pick their Premier League team of the season so far for the international break. The literal Premier League. So they went out and got somebody. They started to get Alan Shearer, the most prolific goalkeeper, uh, score in the league and Shearer picks John Egan at centre back like an Irish player at centre back for the season like when is the last time we've even had a conversation about an Irish player being close to a Premier League team of the season uh, suddenly last year Matt Doherty was probably in that conversation this year you could, I could have but I actually think Ender Stevens should have been in that team by right like you, you, the where Ireland have gone and a lot of that is down to Sheffield as well has actually been great like you're talking about the under 21s at the minute Irish football does feel like we're starting to version right now and given Egan's missing for Sheffield I actually think that's massive like, I think yeah. he's a huge absentee um, so I, I yeah that's fair yeah and then you've got Rashford in form over the international break Daniel James uh, with Wales in form over the international break uh, Martial is, is now back fit the fact that he, he's not going to be fit but if there was ever a game to get Pogba back and playing it's Spurs against Mourinho and a, yeah. a chance to prove him wrong which is in two weeks by even I think even yeah. I'd back uh, Pogba for a performance in that <laughs> one one think, off yeah, yeah. Uh, just actually very very briefly the, uh, you mentioned the Athletic earlier not to give them like you know copious amounts of free advertising but uh, Michael Cox in the Athletic has done two pieces this season on Sheffield United McGoldrick yeah and yeah one on McGoldrick this, uh, but the first one that was actually a couple of months ago I, might, I don't know if you'd be able to find it I'm sure you would which basically explained their system and how they play with the three centre backs and what they do but the cog to everything that they do is that John Egan is a safe pair of hands 
so you can leave him as being your only centre back if you yeah, need to. I, 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 because I, he does that job so well that the other two can go off and play, you know, some sort of weird overlapping uh, computer system. game almost, <laughs> you know, uh, where where they're playing and, and, and somebody can come back and, and, and help out Egan. But he is such an important part of that. He's an absolute cog to it. And it's such a weird system that you wonder can they just Seamless put someone in now, they're a football yeah. club they expect injuries they expect yeah. suspensions they have to rest people I'm sure they've, all, they've been together for a long time I'm sure they are but they don't change the team that often and that especially at the back and midfield and that's why like so that is it's, I actually do you know what I can't believe it Ireland were like trying to qualify for a tournament we're all on tenterhooks we're playing well it's half time it's 45 minutes to go and my first thought was oh that's bad news for Sheffield <laughs> 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 so uh, anyway there you go one two three Morris this is a game we play every week on the show and you can play it for free as well on Ladbrooks where you have a chance to win 100 euro cash if you can match all three score lines in the uh, in the appointed games that's tough to do People have done it, though. A surprising amount of numbers, just that none of them have been me, you, Mark, or anybody in this office. But, um, you know, you can also, ma- if you match two of them, you get a five euro free bet. If you match one, you have a one euro free bet of the three. It's good fun to play. It's good to keep an eye on the football over the year without any risk. 44.2% of players won a prize on the game last week. So that means they matched at least one. 44%. You'd fancy yourself to be in the top 44% yeah. aisle of something, wouldn't you? Um, it, I wasn't again one. <laughs> 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 Which is terrible. Uh, but we're going to play this week. And it's back to Premier League slash Scottish Premiership, the Labrook Scottish Premiership this week uh, for our games. We're going to start with Saturday night's game, Manchester City and Chelsea. You can go first. This is a pretty big game. It is, yeah. For second place in the league. Uh, yeah. I, well, with Leicester. <laughs> um, the, like the Chelsea... I, I, I was slower to the Chelsea bandwagon than a lot of people, I have to say. Like, I, I did kind of think that it was nearly the celebration of mediocrity in, like, that, you know, that, like, they'd go out and score three and can see two against Norwich and everybody would hail it as being... Yeah. Um, but maybe, like, to a certain extent, I think, I wonder to what extent is it, like, the, the Ireland effect where you just want them to play well and if you know if they go out on the positive side of results who cares as long as you're kind of seeing like I imagine you know a series of exposure to Sarri, Conte and Mourinho probably would have you <laughs> ambitious for a bit more attack football I don't think they have enough to beat City though I, I'll say 2-1 to Man City yeah which is exactly what I've gone for and I can't really change it because I've already done the video so two, <coughs> so we're both going for 2-1 for City there I don't disagree with you the second one we're going to a little bit interesting as I said to the Ladbrokes Premiership Hamilton versus Rangers I know you did this one for the video yeah uh, Rangers are an uh, outrageous run of form uh, I don't think they've lost a game since they've lost the young boys in the Europa League in October Hamilton are the other foot at the table I, this could be a hammering I, I'll say um, 4-0 Four nil to Rangers. I'm gonna go for five. Five nil, which is a risky one when you have to pick the exact number of of score. You know, there's more likely to be low. I just think that Rangers are gonna go out and and whoop poor old poor old Hamilton. Are they Hamilton academical anymore? I don't think so. I think they've dropped the yeah. academical. Uh, it's a pity. Sheffield United, Manchester United, Mars. Yes, the battle of the United of the North of England. If you take Leeds and Newcastle out of it, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sheffield United, who should. <laughs> Um, 
I, like as I said earlier, I I I just have a, I'm gonna say two one I think. United. Yeah. Okay, and I'm gonna go along with Kevin who picked the score draw, and I'm gonna go for one all in this game. Um. So there we have it. That's one two three. You can play for free right now on Ladbrokes, and you can win 100 euro cash if you can pick all three scorelines right I would suggest not going for City 2 Chelsea 1 Rangers beating Ham- Hamilton 5-0 and 1-all between Sheffield United and Manchester United because I definitely won't be winning <laughs> <laughs> to subscribe to the full build up podcast search the build up on balls.e on all good podcast apps